A woman from St. Therese, Quebec, is found in her apartment after failing to show up for work on April 18, 1989. How did this happen? She was speaking to one of her family members only a few hours before being found. She was discovered by a co-worker who is now scarred for life from what she saw. This is Cold Canada Episode 10, St. Therese Strangling. I feel the need to preface this episode with a bit of a warning. The details in the story are gruesome and could be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. St. Therese is an off-island town approximately 38 kilometers from Montreal, which is the largest city in Quebec, and about 15 minutes away from Laval, Montreal's largest suburb. If you're unfamiliar with these areas, they are all located in southern Quebec, close to the border of the USA. The suburb is a small working town, known for being the home of the largest Canadian GM Motors assembly plant outside of Ontario. The plant has since closed, but those who are from that area remember it well. St. Therese was populated by around 23,500 people, according to a 1996 census, and made up of mostly blue-collar workers. It was a bit of an unremarkable town, somewhere you'd just pass through on the way to a more booming city. Brutal crimes don't generally happen in this type of town. That was something that happened in the big city. Everyone who lived in this area was shocked to hear the news that a young woman was killed in her own home. Sylvie Lavadier was a 24-year-old single woman living in a small basement apartment in St. Therese. She was a manager at a local gym called Natalis, which was located only about 6 kilometers from her home. She almost always worked the night shift, her shift ending at 11 p.m. most nights. She was described as bubbly, friendly, and outgoing. She thrived in the social environment of the gym. When she failed to show up for work on April 18, 1989, her co-workers were very concerned. On the morning of April 18th, Sylvie called a family member. From the research I did, I couldn't pinpoint exactly who she called, but there were a few references to an aunt, but nothing confirmed. Everything seemed fine. It was a normal conversation, and she told them she was going to get ready, head to her mother's for a quick visit before going to work. When Sylvie didn't show up for work, her colleagues were immediately concerned. Her boss sent one of them to her apartment to check on her. It was out of character for Sylvie not to show up without calling in. Her coworker immediately headed over to the apartment, arriving at 1 p.m. After knocking at the door with no answer, she attempted to open the door. The door wasn't locked. Now really worried about her friend, she enters calling out for Sylvie. She was shocked at the scene that was waiting for her. Upon entering the apartment, her friend found a horrifying scene. Lying partially naked and full of blood lay Sylvie's body. It was like a scene from a horror film. Her clothes were ripped from her body. She was mutilated. Her left breast deeply slashed, nearly hanging off of her body. At first glance, it wasn't clear how she was killed. There was a lot of blood surrounding her body, but upon closer inspection, there were deep red marks around her neck, suggesting asphyxiation. It was deemed a homicide immediately. Some reporters say she was strangled with a telephone cord. Others report manual strangulation. There wasn't a clear mechanism causing her death noted. It wasn't confirmed until the autopsy was completed that she was also severely sexually assaulted. 
and the cause of death was caused by strangulation. Not long after her body was discovered and police were called, her purse was found only about 2.5 kilometers from the apartment. Inside the purse, her wallet remained as well as some personal items. Police processed the scene and determined some objects in her apartment did not belong to Sylvie. This had them questioning who had been there and hoping these items would lead them to the killer. Interviews were conducted with co-workers and residents living in the surrounding area, but no one had seen anything or any clue who would want to harm Sylvie. As far as those who knew her, she didn't have any enemies, and despite being in a basement apartment in a house on a corner, no one had spotted anyone going in or leaving her place. She didn't have any known lovers or even male friends who could be connected to the crime. Police were stumped. This young woman was brutally killed and mutilated. It looked more like a crime of passion rather than a robbery as a missing purse would suggest. Someone wanted to hurt this woman and attempt to cover up the motive by taking her bag. After endless inconclusive interviews, police had no leads and the case went cold. Fast forward 24 years later to 2013, the case was reopened. New technology and ways of examining unsolved cases prompted the reopening. Police set up a command post in the town in hopes people who knew Sylvie would come forward with new information or insight on the day she was killed. They were hopeful they could link the items found in her apartment that didn't belong to her to someone. It was the only physical evidence they had to go on. They were convinced her killer was someone known to her due to the nature of the crime, but could never confirm with solid evidence. In an article by CBC, police said their updated interviews with relatives resulted in conclusive results, but no arrests were made and no details were ever released. Sylvie's mother continues to plead for people to come forward with any piece of information, no matter how small or mundane they may think it is. Police will take any and all evidence seriously and would be looked into. After this reopening, I couldn't find any more information on the case. It seems as though the case was reopened and then never talked about it again. It's been seven years since it was reopened and still remains unsolved. It's sad to know her mother will more than likely never have an answer as to who killed her daughter. There was lots of speculation on who the murderer may be. It was said Sylvie was a single woman living alone. She was pretty and well-liked. Could it have been a member of the gym she ran? Was it someone who hit on her and she turned them down? A common theme around the theories I've read is it is a local, uh, someone who was infatuated with Sylvie, potentially obsessed, and when he tried to make advances on her, she rejected him, which launched anger within this person. They decided to teach her a lesson by raping her, and maybe that got out of hand and he ended up killing her. Or maybe he did it on purpose. Again, this is just a theory, but it does seem like the most likely explanation of what could have happened. This crime seemed so angry. To mutilate someone is intentional. Whether or not the murder was planned out or not is a different story. She was strangled as well. Her killer could have been trying to quell her screams or incapacitate her and killed her by accident with too much force. Again, this is all speculation. Since the reopening, there has been no more information about this case. It looks as though police gave up on trying to find Sylvie's killer. 
Like many other cold cases, so much time has passed that the odds of finding the person responsible alive and walking the streets are slim to none. It's unfortunate that cases like this in from small suburbs get lost within the big city cases and homicides. To think that this case has been open for 31 years and there is still no information on it is just crazy. Since 2013, it's literally dead silence. Hopefully uh, something will trigger someone's memory from this podcast. And if you have any information related to this case, please contact the SQ's Criminal Information Center at 1-800-659-4264. Of course, all that information will also be in the episode notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go rate and review on iTunes. Also, go follow me at Cold Canada Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Episodes are being streamed on YouTube. Just search Cold Canada Podcast or go through the link in the notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash coldcanadapodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash coldcanadapodcast. My name is Heather Curran, and this has been Cold Canada. Mm-hmm.